CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to, to Every Man and Answer as we get together every weekday afternoon at this time. We just want to welcome you here. Looking forward to being with you for about the next hour as we answer questions about the Bible from the Bible. And so we just want to encourage you to give us a call. If you've been reading your Bible, somebody's asked you a question. You heard something in church and it doesn't ring right. Maybe you saw something on TV that you're saying, this is being passed off as Christianity, but maybe it's not. Hey, give us a call, 8888. Ask CSN's the number to call, and we'll do our very best to give you a good biblical answer for that. What the Bible really says on that topic, not just a fragment of a verse or a piece of a verse, but what does the Bible really talk about when we talk about these different ideas? And this is where so many of the cults get off. They take a piece of a verse, build a whole theology upon it, and then there's other verses in the Bible that would bring that verse that they're building their whole theology upon back into line, but they ignore that. So we want to be about our daddy's business. We live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so 8888, ask sends the number to call. Joining me today, special guest Daryl Skinner from Calvary Chapel, Pearl Harbor, Honolulu, Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha and aloha to all the listeners out there. Great to be with you. Looking forward to another program of To Every Man and Answer and getting the, getting those great questions that come in from all the folks that are listening out there and just encourage all people out there. Hey, you have a question about God, the Bible, uh, prophecy, uh, counseling, uh, life in general, <laughs> whatever it is, we'll do our best to help you out. As Mike said, it's always a, a thrill and uh, also uh, defending the faith, contending for that faith, because the Bible says faith comes in here and hearing by the word of God. It's the Word of God that sets everybody free. So, Mike, it's great to be with you. And again, looking forward to the program. Amen. Good to be with you and uh, appreciate your program. Chosen Generation comes on morning times here on CSN. And so, again, we're very grateful that, uh, Daryl, you uh, take time out of your busy schedule there in Hawaii, um, trying to catch all the rays you can. But uh, no, I, I've been to your fellowship. Very, very blessed. Very, yes. you know, for for Hawaii, it's it's really neat to see such a large congregation there, and especially with your teaching of God's word, not compromising. It's really a blessing. And so, uh, anyway, Daryl, I'm glad you're with us. Let's go ahead and go to the phones again. Eighty eight, eighty eight. Ask CSN is the number to call. We have Pamela in Livingston, Montana. I welcome. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, so I am very curious about, like in Revelations, when it talks about there no longer being a sea. And when we were talking about it in ladies' Bible study, um, the ladies were talking about the sea is considered evil. And I thought that was strange. And so I was curious about that. Okay, Daryl, your thoughts? Well, you know, it's, it's we're heading off to the new heavens, the new earth at that time, this old earth. And this old universe, the Bible says, is going to melt away with fervent heat right out of Second Peter. He declares that for us. And thus, uh, our Lord speaks to us in the book of Revelation, says, after this earth is done away with, we're going to head off to the new heavens, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem. Now, when we talk about sea, we're talking about an ocean. 
We're talking about storms and all the various things that come with an ocean and so forth. It says, doesn't mean that in the new, the new earth, there won't be any water. It's just saying there's not, we're not going to have the seas as we know them today. I don't know about surfing in the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, but, uh, and we'll leave that to the Lord. I know he's a God of fun and enjoyment and, and there'll be a lot of great things to do at the new heavens and the new earth. And so, you know, I'm not worried about it, but it's not saying there's no more water. It's just, it's not going to be the sea as we know it today in our current environment. Mike? Yeah. And some people do see that as a sea as being a picture type of, of, uh, evil or whatever. But the Bible doesn't come out and really say that. It talks a little bit about how, uh, you know, there was, um, um, you know, the sea was also the home of the terrible dragon Leviathan and whatever. But that doesn't necessarily make it evil. We do know that there is a river that flows from the throne of God, clear as crystal, the Bible says. In the middle of the, of this river, there is a, is a tree growing and, uh, its leaves are for the healing of the nations. Uh, so we do absolutely know that there's water. Now it will probably be much different than we understand, but the Bible also speaks, um, uh, favorably about the sea too, that he, um, uh, speaks of his wonders in the deep. Now, if it was all evil, I don't think it would be uh, glamorizing or, uh, speaking about wonders, speaking of the deep, the ocean. So, I think you just have to be real careful on that. It depends on what they're trying to do with it. But be careful a lot of times of symbolic, symbolizing what we find in the Bible. There are some things that, yes, generally, as an example, birds are kind of evil in the Bible. When, when Joseph interpreted the dream for the, for the baker in prison, uh, right before he was promoted to prime minister, the, the baker shared his dream that the birds came and ate the bread and he goes, Oh man, the, if, if Pharaoh's going to lift your head off of you, uh, we remember that, uh, Jesus gave the parable as the sower went out to sow seed and the birds came and ate up the seed. Um, but we also remember in the Bible that, uh, the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in the form of a dove. We find, uh, the dove being let out of the ark. Uh, which it did not return. So we find uh, birds as well. But somebody could just take and say, well, birds are always evil in the Bible. Whenever you find a bird in the Bible, it's no, that's not true. And I I would say probably very much the same for um, the uh, sea or the ocean as well. Hope that helps. You know, Mike, if I could add one last thing to this, uh, you know, we look at our Lord when he was here. And of course, he said, peace, be still amongst the stormy sea. And I think when we look at that, uh, that, that, uh, power and that, uh, beauty of Christ, our Lord, that, you know, everything in the new heavens and new earth is going to be peaceful. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be magnificent. And that which we've always experienced here on earth, I, I believe personally, there's going to be absolutely no comparison to what we're going to be experiencing in the new heavens, the new earth. And New Jerusalem. We're in a very fallen state. Once we get that, that, you know, that we get to heaven, we head off to the new heavens, new earth, new Jerusalem. It's going to be perfect in every way. And uh, there'll be no drownings. There'll be no, no uh, people paralyzed from a wave crashing down on them, something like that. Everything's going to be perfect and thoroughly enjoyable 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. So hopefully that encouraged you, my my dear sister. My- yeah, and, and so if you want to show her a verse, take her to Psalms 107, verse 24, and I'll just read it again. They have seen the works of the Lord, his wonders in the deep. They too observe the Lord's power in action, his impressive works on the deepest seas. So, uh, I would be careful of saying the, the sea is always, is always evil or something like that. Hope that helps. Yeah, it does. And I know that it talks too in Revelation that there's a sea of glass around the throne. So. Yes. And that river, I believe that's probably where this, the river that proceeds from the throne comes and where it goes is into uh, the sea of glass. So, um, you know, it is interesting that so much of our tides and currents on this earth are caused by radical weather patterns. And when I read about the sea of glass, I realize that it's going to be a very tranquil as far as the environment goes without, of course, the curse that we all know on the earth that has been wreaking havoc on man ever since uh, uh, man got kicked out of the garden and really ever since the flood as well. So stay in line here. We'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs and the movie, Jesus. Uh, Does that answer it for you? Got any other questions? Uh, No, that's great. Thank you so much for your time. All right. Again, Psalms 107, verse 24. And I think think that will uh, um, bless. So hope that helps. Stay on the line. We'll get you taken care of. Let's go to Randy, Cedar City, Utah. Hi, welcome. Hey, Pastor Mike. How are you today? Good. How may we help? Um, my question is about uh, transhumanism agenda and, uh, you know, the World Economic Forum, uh, Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates and all of them are pushing for this. Um, so my idea, I, and it just came to me the other day that um, they are all pretty much, they know that our Lord is true and the truth, um, but they apparently, they love Lucifer, they love that agenda, and they're pushing for this transhumanism deal. So I was just, I wanted your take on it, um, and my thought was that the fact that they're trying to push to put your mind in a cyborg body or, you know, mind in, in, in prolonged life, um, I was just, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, they know the Bible just like Lucifer knows the Bible better than most Christians these days. So I'm thinking yes. that they're trying to avoid the the judgment by by living forever. And so that's kind of the gist of what I wanted to get your take on. Well, we know that the Bible says that, uh, you know, um, man's days are appointed by God. Before the flood, of course, man lived to be almost a thousand years old. After the flood, and by the time of King David, it was down to about 70 years. Now, true, people live past 70, but um, from what people have told me over 70, the only way you know sometimes you're still alive in the morning is that everything still hurts. So, <laughs> you know, uh, Daryl, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, uh, what we must always realize, even though we don't like their agenda, we don't agree with their agenda, we must always be praying for folks like Bill Gates or Klaus Schwab and so forth. Uh, the Bible says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not in the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we pray for them. We don't agree with them. We won't follow their ways as it would lead us into a position of uh 
you know, it's, we, we believe it's, they're heading toward this position that's going to lead us to that uh, of the Antichrist and his takeover, of course, but we won't be here as a church. Now, when we look at transhumanism, the, the transforming of humans with technology and so forth, I must confess I have a little bit, little bit of that in me right now. Uh, Mike understands it too. And, and, uh, but I have a pacemaker. I run on batteries, been running batteries for 30 years now. Now I'm not a transhumanism individual, but I'm just saying there are certain technologies that we are blessed with uh, in the medical arena that does help us. However, if they're looking for this utopia of this super uh, warrior or whatever it is for destruction and victory and rape and pillage, whatever's going to be, you know, for their armies, uh, it's 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 not there. We have drones flying in the sky now. We've discovered that ability to wipe out people like that. But there's a lot of Hollywood movies that, you know, spruce all this up, whether it be their Terminator or something, and and we get kind of caught up in these things. Uh, so it's it's important for us to realize, always be in prayer, always be sharing the gospel. And you see what's going on in Davos. It tells us that we're living the last days. They want to create this, uh, you know, fight global change, save the planet, which is going to be through their elite government and get rid of uh, animals like cows and so forth because they think it's polluting the CO2s and, and so on and all the craziness that's going on. And so we as salt and light, we know the truth. We have to fight against these things for the sake of uh, our fellow man and for the body of Christ. So it's important for us to listen in, see what they're talking about, and then bring truth to it so that the truth can set the captives free. Mike? Amen. And so I I, I hope that helps. I don't believe, really, that we're going to see man go, really. Uh, there's a few people that live way up into their 100, 100 and. 15, but they're extremely rare. I don't think man's going to live uh, any longer than that because there's other problems in that. In, in that is you can maybe get your body to function longer, but your mind goes. Uh, your mind is sharp at 100, but your body is shot. Uh, and, and again, trying to beat the rap on death, only Jesus Christ does that. There is no other uh, name under heaven which man can be saved, and there's no other name in heaven that beats the rap on death. And so the idea that somehow we're going to—and and it's interesting because there's always been this flirtation with that, whether you watch the old um, uh, Indiana Jones uh, looking for the the chalice that if you drink out of it you'll never die, and how the Nazis wanted it, and all these crazy stories. I think people begin to actually believe these fantasies. But the truth is, in Jesus Christ, if He's forgiven your sins, you will live forever. Not on this earth, and the way this world is going, I'm kind of glad about that, as I see everything kind of tanking. Not just in America, but globally. That's all getting set up for the great one world order, the one world government, talking about how the economies of the world are going to fail. We see ourselves in our own nation right now, another $1.7 trillion spent of money we do not have. And so it's going to collapse us. It's going to collapse the rest of the world in their financial dealings. And so when we look at this, out of the ashes will come this Antichrist. You know, swear your allegiance to me and I'll make it all right again. And I have found people 
are more than willing to trade their freedoms for normancy. In other words, make it back the way it was. And this is one of the tricks that Hitler pulled on the German people. He released 2,000 hardened criminals from the prisons. And of course, they went out, continue to continue their criminal behavior. The people were begging for law and order. Hitler says, well, turn in your guns. And, uh, well, first it was a registration of the guns. Uh, then he knew who had them. Then they were confiscated. They created the very problem, the high crime by releasing the criminals. They created the problem to use that to be able to take people's weapons. Do you think that's any different than right now? What's going on in the border? The drugs flowing across the border more than ever before. People we have coming into the United States, we don't even know who they are. They're criminals. Uh, you have all this kind. I'm not saying everyone that comes across the border is a criminal, but a lot of them are. We don't know who's coming across the border. And as I shared before, some 60 million illegals in the United States right now, and they're not slowing it down. So what is it? Do they want another 20 million, 50 million, 200 million illegals in the country to where they outnumber the citizens of the United States? You see, the, their rationale, their logic is insane. Well, this is the great problem that we have. And as America collapses, it's the last bastion of, of any kind of normancy, I believe, in the world. When it's gone, the Antichrist, I believe, will rapidly come to power. But I don't believe that will happen until the Christians are gone. And so when we see this idea of, you know, we're going to develop cloned parts and this and that and the other thing, this is all trying to beat the rap on God's creation, and also, I believe, God's curse. Now, now, something very interesting, if you want to look at, go back to Genesis 1-2, and look at how God made everything. The devil is waging war on everything that God has made, whether waging war on the fathers of America, whether waging war that you were born a woman or a man, whether being, being uh, uh, no matter what it is that God has created, um, our environment, whatever it is, man is waging war on it. And it's insane. And you look at these crazy people, you know, they talk about, oh, we've got to take gas stoves now, the Democrats, we got to get rid of the gas stoves in people's homes. Why don't you control the border government? Why don't you do your job and get out of our houses? See, this is the problem that we're finding. Do you realize when they fly to these summit meetings in Cairo or Switzerland or wherever they go, Sun Valley, Idaho, and they're all talking about how the little people will eventually live. As they fly their their jumbo jets and their Lear jets and everything, putting out more pollution than our gas stoves will do in a 100 years, just one trip. And you look at the insanity of this, the hypocrisy with this upper echelon is so amazing. Well, we're going to hit the big reset and we're going to do this. And, but of course, not with their money, not with George Soros's money. Oh, no, 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 with your money. They're going to take your money. They're going to take your 401k. They're going to take your retirement. And so this is where the problems are coming from. So transgenderism, all this stuff that's going on, attack on God's creation. And so we just want to be wise as serpents 
harmless as doves, be about our father's business and redeem the time. Cause I don't think we got a lot of time here. Do you, Daryl? No, we're getting very close and the Lord's coming for his bride real soon. And uh, let's just, just, just keep preaching the gospel, winning souls, making disciples, folks, invite people to church. They may say no, invite them again. They may say no, invite them again. They may say no. Maybe that fourth time the squeaky wheel will get the grease. They'll come to church. They'll hear the word of God. The Holy Spirit works in their hearts, and they come to salvation. And every preacher preaching the word of God uh, and then giving that invitation to salvation because these are this is the, the harvest is white, as Jesus said. It's 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 time to harvest the souls right now. And everything in our world that we see happening is is right there in the Word of God. It becomes facts to our faith as we share with people. And we need to be on fire, not sitting at home watching Netflix or anything else. We need to be on fire. Dancing with the stars. <laughs> and going to church. Yeah, going to church, get into the Word of God, being the disciples of God. And God says, like he told Joshua in the Old Testament, he says, Joshua, meditate on my word day and night. Don't turn to the left or to the right. He says, and I will prosper your ways. I'll bring you good success. Be of good courage, Joshua. And that's how we, this is what we need today for every believer in Christ. Because God multiplies his word. He blesses his word. His word goes forth as salvation. His word is eternal. It never ends. And it's, it's also our spiritual weapon against the enemy as Jesus fought Satan. It is written. It is written. It is written. It says we're in the word of God. We're sharing the word of God. It has a power to bring souls to salvation because it has tremendous convicting power. It is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. So let's go for God, you guys. Amen. Mike? Amen. Hope that answers it for you, Randy. I know it's a little bit long. You know, and, and everybody listening, please, I, I just want to want to digress here for just a second. When I mention the insanity of our government, when I mention these things, I'm not doing it to stand on a soapbox. And though you say, oh, yes, you are. No, I'm trying to point out that our world is not what it was 50 years ago or 20 years ago or even five years ago. We are rapidly headed for a one world order. We have a force at work to collapse America. And I don't think you have to be too smart to realize that. So we have to do what we can do while we can do it. And the reason I bring these, these points up is because the world that we knew, the America we know is rapidly evaporating. And when we see these different crazy things that make no sense, uh, again, Trump is, is, is all over the newspaper for having top secret documents, which Donald Trump legally was entitled to. He could do that. However, Biden had top secrets as a vice president, which he did not, and makes him a felon. Well, where's the FBI arresting him? No, they don't do that. You see, it's one set of rules for one group of people and another set of rules for another group of people. This is wicked. The FBI is part of it, everyone. I'm serious. When the FBI was giving money to the news media outlets to deliberately suppress Hunter Biden's laptop at the last election because they said, well, it would influence the election. Well, it should. It's not the FBI's um, place to determine what America should know about their rotten leadership. Where do they get off doing this? And we saw what Comey did with the CIA. They've infiltrated all the enforcement agencies 
And then they have weaponized it against anybody that doesn't go along with their end America theme. And this is what we find going on. That's why my dad always had a saying, I've shared this many times, if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense. And when you can't figure out why is Biden running around right now? Why isn't he arrested? Why isn't this on the front page of every paper in America that he took papers? And by the way, they find the papers about uh, the Ukraine. They find papers about China. And Hunter Biden's laptop says this is where they were getting a lot of under the table money. Huh. Put the pages together. Draw the lines. But they're not going to do that because they want to keep America duped. Again, preoccupied with goofy TV programs. Meanwhile, your country is literally burning. Your country is being invaded. Remember, the Roman government was never conquered. Its borders were overran. Sound familiar? Well, they're no they're they're not ignorant to world history and they're not ignorant to the tricks that Adolf Hitler played on the on the German people about registering your guns. Friendly gun registration, then confiscation came, then he did to the German people whatever he wanted. The reason they want to take away your guns, America, is because you're not gonna like what they're gonna do to you in the days to come. Has nothing to do with crime. It has everything to do with the communist agenda. And watch this, everyone. Be very careful. Joseph Stalin says to control the country, they need a central bank. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to centralize all the banks. And then if they don't like you, they just push a button. Your credit card shut off. They push a button. Your savings are gone. They push a button. No more, uh, no more um, uh, savings account. Push a button, no more 401k, push a button. They can destroy you with a central bank. And when you realize that our two key people in in the White House right now controlling the bankings are communists, their, their philosophy is identical. That should give you a pretty good idea where, where we're headed on all this. It's serious. Redeem the time. The days are evil. The world's not going to keep going on and going on and going on the way it's been. Do what you can do, because I look forward to Gabriel. When he blows, we're out of here. And um, do what you can do while you can do it. Randy, hope that helps. Long answer, but I think so important in the days we're in. And again, the attack on God's creation, uh, transhumanism, trying to extend life, all those kinds of things, all man's attempt to try to frustrate God's plan. Hope that helps. And Randy, we're coming up on a break. Stay in line. We'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs. Pray that answered your question. When we come back, we'll have more to every man answer coming up right after this. We'll be right back. You know, it's true. Difficult times have a way of focusing us. We have to think about what matters most when it comes to our spending, our health care. No doubt. This is why so many people are joining MediShare right now. MediShare is a trusted way to save up to 50% on your monthly health care costs. More than 400,000 people have already made the switch. It's pretty obvious why, too, especially now during this challenging season with health care costs and out-of-pocket expenses going up. MediShare can save you a lot of money. The typical family saves $500 a month. And MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry that's worked beautifully for 29 years. 
There are different options to choose from to fit your budget. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Maybe now is the perfect time to make the switch and start saving. Here you go. Call 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. This Sanctity of Life Month, we honor the over 63 million babies whose lives have been tragically ended through abortion since Roe. Sadly, with the abortion pill accounting for over 50% of all abortions, babies' lives are at even greater risk. But in the midst of this darkness, there is a light that shines. Preborn has rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion and is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. Preborn shares babies' heartbeats and the gospel of Jesus Christ to help moms choose life for their baby and for their soul. To learn more about the life-saving work of Preborn, call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. All gifts are tax-deductible. Your love can save a life. Jeremy Man and Answer, and with me I have Daryl Skinner. I'm your host, Mike Kessler, and we're going to go right back to the phones. We have Mike on the line in Aberdeen, South Dakota. Hi, welcome. Hi, guys. How are you? Do you hear me all right? Yes, we can. How may we help? Okay. Um, my topic would be on speaking in tongues, mm-hmm. and so I'm pretty learned as far as the Scripture goes, and so let me just drive to it. Um, Speaking in tongues, when someone happens to do that in the church and there's no one there to interpret, I tend to shy away from it. I don't don't disregard it. I don't have an opinion about it. However, if there's not someone there to interpret, I shrug my shoulders at it and let it be what it is. Now to my question. When I'm in worship and I'm caught up in the Holy Spirit, I have the ability to carry a tune that I would never be able to carry. And so what I'll, they'll go, you know, have you had, do you have any kind of uh, practical education, training, whatever you want to call it? And it's like, no. I look at it like I'm speaking in tongues in a language that everybody understands. Mm-hmm. Well, and the my, Bible says songs, hymns, we know what songs and hymns are, and spiritual songs. I think that's what you're you're dealing with here uh, is the spiritual songs aspect of that verse. Um, and and are, are tongues real? Yes. Now, when you mention tongues and interpretation, we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And there's a lot of problems with a lot of the Pentecostal churches, I believe, because they don't read what this chapter is saying, nor do they go to first occurrence, which is Acts chapter 2. It says, if anybody speaks in an unknown tongue, let it be two or at the most three, 
and let one interpret. Now, the word in the Greek for interpret is not to change to another language. It means to explain fully. Peter did this in Acts chapter 2. He said, these men are not drunk with wine where you think, but they're filled with the Spirit. He wasn't changing into Hebrew or whatever language that they all understood. He was explaining what they were doing. I think today we have a real problem. I think there is the people that would stand up maybe in tongues and speak a message and sit down. And then we have, oh, my people, I would love to bless you, but I cannot bless you because you're rotten. No, I don't know. But they have these, 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 so to speak, interpretations. I don't believe it's interpreting what that guy just said at all. I believe that, that, um, the message, and primarily when we understand how bilingual the early world was, I mean, even above Jesus' cross, there, there were three languages that said, this is the king of the Jews. So very, very bilingual in those days. Um, and so understanding that, um, the s- tongues are not a sign for the believer, but for the unbeliever. And actually, J.B. Phillips in, it, thought that this was wrong. It was some kind of a transliteration mistake. But it's not. Because when a person really has the gift of tongues, as an example, and they were to stand up with a message very much like Acts chapter 2, where it says, how is it that we hear all these people speaking in our hometown, and the real word in the Greek, our hometown dialects? In other words, they had the right accent on the words if they was from Oklahoma or something like that. I mean, our hometown dialect, not just our language, but actually the accent that went along with it. And this was a sign to the unbeliever that something supernatural, spiritual was happening and that God's message now was there. Now, were they preaching sermons? I've heard very bad theology saying, well, God give the gift of tongues so that the early church could go out and preach to other nations. That is absolutely false. You'll never find anywhere in the Bible anybody ever preached a sermon in tongues. Acts chapter 2 says, we hear them worshiping and glorifying God. So the message of tongues is to God, worshiping and glorifying God. Again, going to first occurrence in the Bible is what you see. But what you find sometimes in your Pentecostal realm churches is that you'll have a message, and sometimes a real long message in tongues or a real short message in tongues, and then the person that stands up with a real long interpretation for a short message in tongues. Wow, some kind of condensed language. Or a very a very short answer for a very long message in tongues. I don't believe they're even related. I believe that, again, where it talks about interpretation, it's very clear in the original language. Now, if you have a chance, get, and anybody listening, and especially if you're in the Pentecostal circles, I was raised that way, so I know, get a strong concordance, look these verses up in the King James, and you will see sometimes the word interpretation means to translate to a different language, like If anyone prays in tongues, let him pray he may also interpret. Now, that I believe uh, very much. 
but wherever it says two or at the most and let one interpret means to explain what they are doing, not what they are saying. And there's a big difference by simply reading what God's word says. And so when we understand that, in fact, if you look in the old King James, you'll see these words are marked and they're different. The word interpretation versus interpretations, they mean something different. Look it up in a strong concordance. Because again, Peter stood up with the interpretation of what they were doing, not what they were saying. He was not translating into another language. He was explaining what they were doing, just like Paul says you're supposed to do in Acts chapter 14, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where he said, let two or at the most three speak in an unknown tongue, let one explain fully what they just did. Now, why would you allow two or three even to pray in her? If you were in a multi multicultural, multi-language situation, and you know that somebody stands up and with a hometown dialect is starting to worship and glorify God, you'd say, wow, that's not normal. How did he know to speak with the twang that we have in our language from my town? He says, it sounds exactly like somebody from, from my hometown. That's what that's talking about. Daryl, your thoughts. Yeah, you know, when we go back to Acts 1-8, our Lord says that we'll receive the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you. And it says, you shall be witnesses unto me. You're going to receive this power, which is a dunamis power, supernatural power. And you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So as the Spirit of God works in us, we're now witnessing Jesus Christ and who he is, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, and his powerful testimony that he is the son of God, as well as the son of man. And when you get to Acts chapter 2, and these 120 were filled with very various, it's the, the Greek word is dialectus, the various languages or dialects of all the people that were visiting in Jerusalem at the Feast of Pentecost, which God brings people from all the nations of the world. The Bible declares there in Acts 2, and they were there, and they spoke in their various dialects, their various languages, and they what did they speak? Here's the key. They spoke, as Mike said earlier, they spoke the wonderful works of God. So then you have what's also known as your personal uh, gift of tongues, which we're talking about in 1 Corinthians 13 and 14, and that's where Paul writes, he says, I'd rather speak in the church gathering uh, five words in a known tongue than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. He says, this tongue of yours is is to edify yourself. I'd rather you prophesy and others speak the language that everybody understands in the congregation to minister to their hearts from the word of God. Now, he also says in 1 Corinthians 12, before he gets to 13 and 14, he says, do all speak with tongues? Uh, it's a rhetorical question. No, not everybody does. Are all apostles? No, not everybody does. Does everybody have the gift of healings? No. But the, the Spirit of God divides them severally as he wills. So as he desires, the Holy Spirit desires to give you this beautiful gift uh, and you receive it, then be a witness. Speak of the wonderful works of God. If it's that personal time, of course, you're going to be uh, speaking it for yourself to edify yourself. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14 to build yourself up in the faith. There's times when I pray and I'm praying and I just run out of English words in what I'm praying for, but I, I still feel this, this initiative to keep praying and I'll pray in my, uh, the gift of tongues I received years ago and I'll pray in that. 
Now, I, you know, I, do I know what I'm saying? He says, no, Paul says, your understanding is unfruitful. But I trust the Spirit of God to be covering what I didn't cover as I would minister to the Lord in that prayer language that he's given me. And it's a beautiful time. In the church, as Mike just shared, it's by one, two, three at the most, and there must be an interpretation. Otherwise, it, it creates chaos and craziness in the church. Uh, I think when it comes to worshiping God in the church gathering, um, you know, I think it's it's good to also be singing the same song so that there's unity in the body of Christ and that everybody's not just singing in their various prayer languages. Uh, and then also the words are in English and, and it's, it's people that visitors to the church go say, this is kind of a chaotic place, you know? And so I think we need to maintain unity with the, with the people that we're with as well as unity with the worship leader and how he's singing. I think that's important. But if you want to sing at home and just worship God in that tongue, that's fine. If you want to pray in that tongue, that's fine. But uh, I, like Paul says, I'd rather you speak five words with understanding than 10,000 words with without understanding. Why? Because you edify one another. You build each other up in that which everybody understands. And that's the real goal. So the power comes by the Holy Spirit to be a witness. And we always speak the wonderful works of God. This is going to be a testimony of, of Christ. So hopefully that helps, my friend, Mike. Amen. Hope that helps. Well, I, I, it does. Uh, examples: uh, someone needed prayer. We gathered around and we laid hands. Uh, uh, pretty straightforward. At one point, we were um, praying over the individual. Um, one individual broke into tongues. I'm going to call it gibberish. I'm, I'm going to just call it what I see it as, and. No one could understand it, and my instinct was to retract a little bit. Not necessarily that the Spirit wasn't moving, but because who knew what he was saying, right? Now, I'd like to move. I understand that gibberish in my own experience. However, when I felt the most pain in my prayers in the past, I moved to the groanings of the soul. There was a lot of anger, so that it can come out in a lot of different ways while you're in prayer. What I ended up doing was literally groaning the pain out of my body in an effort to hand it to Christ for him to carry it to God to allow him to interpret what it was I was trying to get at. And... So can you even touch on the groanings of the soul? Well, yeah, I, I prayed for people, and they begin to explain their situation, how they got into drugs, and they come back to Christ, and and they can't pay their mortgage, they can't pay their, you know, their car payment. They're just and and I when I pray, I just went, I just go, well, Lord, you know, and I, oh man, I mean, it, it it's such a train wreck. Only God could fix it, and God does fix these things. But I believe that's where it talks about the groanings uh, in the spirit. And and uh, I've been in many, many prayer circles where people will be praying. Now, not in the church service, but in a small group where there'll be people praying for an individual and somebody will pray in tongues. I have, not, I have no problems with that whatsoever. Because, again, you can pray uh, in, 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 in what you understand. Sometimes, in the, as the Bible says, we speak mysteries 
concerning a particular thing going on in an individual's life. And you don't know that God may have moved on that individual to pray that way because of what is going on in his life, not wishing to make it known to everybody in the circle. Maybe it's a problem with pornography. Maybe he's got some other issue going on, but it needs to be addressed. And the Holy Spirit moves on him to do that, just like the Holy Spirit would move on us to have groanings. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think one of the most important things that we look at when we, whether it be praying for someone or praying for ourselves, uh, Jesus said, he says to pray in his name, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So it's just important that when we pray in his name, not only we're going to pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, you know, I ask you to help me with this situation, you know, and Lord, I close this prayer in the name of Jesus and so forth. We're praying in his name, but we're praying in his character. We're praying according to who he is. He is the word of God. We're praying according to the word of God, so the will of God will be done in my life or in somebody else's life. And, you know, when it comes to people being sick or, you know, some kind of infirmity, uh, you know, if, if someone does want to pray in tongues, it's fine. It's fine. But you know what? Um, I don't think sometimes people think it's more powerful or something. And you know what? In the name of Jesus is power. And that's where you don't want to get people into the spiritual arena where they see, think they're super spiritual because they have the gift of tongues. And then those that don't have the gift feel like they're, 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 they're not as spiritual. And that's, that's far from the truth. And I'm kind of taking us to another element. And, and it's, it's, we're all equal in Christ. Whatever we pray, just ask the Lord Jesus, Lord, be glorified in this, be glorified in this healing. And, and we trust in this work to you. Thy will be done. Amen. And so that's one thing I would just suggest is to make sure, maintain. But there's there's all kinds of folks in the body of Christ. We just all work together uh, for one, one, one thing, and that is to glorify our Heavenly Father and to honor our Lord Jesus Christ and to be a testimony to all people. Mike? Amen. Hope that helps, Mike. Yeah, gentlemen, it does. I just, uh, I, I guess, I guess. Am I wrong in thinking that when I'm lifted by the Holy Spirit in song, that when— You know what? Real quick on this, let me tell you something. I uh, was in a a church service, a a believers meeting, uh, down in in, um, uh, Walnut, California, and somebody like you had a little song in their heart like that that the Lord gave them, and somebody wrote down what he was singing and and knew music and knew where to go up and down. And that was a song that we sang in the church for many years. Um, and, uh, and so, no, I believe that there are many songs spawned by the Holy Spirit in prayer, like you're talking about, that are great worship songs. I've been woken up in the middle of the night with songs and I go, Oh man, that is such a great song. And it's just a worship song. And man, I, I went over saying it probably a hundred times. And I woke up in the morning thinking, well, when I was there, I said, Oh, I don't need to write this down because it's so, I, I've sang it so many times. I know it. I woke up in the morning. I couldn't remember it, but, but, um, but I do believe there's some great worship songs that come out of, um, prayer meetings and and uh, uh, just uh, believers meetings. I think they're really good. Hope that helps. Yeah. Could you guys throw me the verse on groanings of the soul? Uh, I don't remember what it is. 
Uh, groanings, I believe, is in Romans. Um, was that Romans 10? Uh, hold on. We'll, we'll get it for you. I promise. And uh, let me just double check her. Yeah, that's one of the. It's found in. Uh, well, that's a joke. Romans 826. Yeah, of course. Of course. Thank you, when gentlemen. my sign comes before I eat and my groanings pour out like water. Oh, that's Job. Hold on here. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our, in our weaknesses. And it says the following. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he searches the hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit, what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So it's a, a beautiful passage for all of us. And uh, you know what? Sometimes you're exasperated in life. You don't know what to say. Yeah, spiritual warfare, whatever it is. Uh, and you just groan before the Lord. The Lord goes, I know what you're groaning about, man. I I, I understand. I've I've been there. He, and you look at the Garden of Gethsemane, man, and the Lord there asking for this cup to pass before him and the Bees of sweat and blood pouring forth from him. And yet you saw him groaning and that yet it was for strength and for endurance and perseverance and the the will of the father to be done as he would go to the cross for our sins, be separated from the father. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And, and all that was going to take place on the cross and the suffering, the shame that would take place. Here's God, the creator of heavens and the earth. The son of God is going to die for our sins. Beautiful, beautiful love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mike. Amen. Hope that answers it for you, Mike. Stay in line. We'll send you out some books, DVDs, and the movie Jesus. And thanks so much for the call. Let's go to Carol, Sparks, Nevada. Hi, welcome. Hi, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call. Um, my question is on Second Timothy chapter 3, and it's talking about perilous times and perilous men. And it says, goes on and to explain all of that, and it says, um, and from such people turn away, for this sort are those who creep into households and make captive of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. What exactly does that mean, please? Okay. Your thoughts, Mike? Okay. Um, when it says here, it says uh, in verse 4 that there's going to be traitors in the last days. They're going to be headstrong. They're going to be haughty. They're going to be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then it says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power from such people turn away. For this, for of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of truth, so forth. We're talking about wolves in sheep's clothing. They come in and they take advantage of women who do not know the word of God. And these men have a form of godliness. Oh, yes, I'm a Christian. I go to church, but they deny the power thereof, meaning they've really not, they're really not born again of the Holy Spirit. They've really not repented of their sins. They really have, they really don't believe in the word of God, but yet they have an appearance thereof. It's like the church of Laodicea. Jesus says, you are lukewarm. You're neither cold nor hot. You make me sick, and I will vomit you out of my mouth. And he calls them to repent. And, in fact, they've kicked him out of the church. 
And he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I will, door of his heart, I will come into him and sup with him. So these men are, you know, the Bible talks about men who have, uh, eyes that are full of adultery. These men are, they, they're seductive. They're, they're subtle. They're sneaky. They're used by the enemy and they're wolves in sheep's clothing and they seduce women, uh, in a variety of ways. Could be for their money. Could be for their bodies. So there's a variety of ways. Mike. Yeah, and and it goes on in verse 6 and mentions Janice and Jambres, which their names actually mean trickster and juggler. And uh, false teachers always appeal to the flesh. And since many people that attend churches a lot of times are in the flesh, they want to see a show. Like Herod said to Jesus, you've done a lot of miracles. Do one for me. Like Jesus is the... uh, Okay, miracle boy, pop one out for me. Jesus wouldn't answer him a word. So when we look at this, I believe that we have to understand that they come into the church for other reasons, rather than just simply because they love God and they want his will, his kingdom come, his will to be done. Hope that helps, Carol. Oh, it helps tremendously. Thank you, gentlemen, so much. I appreciate it. God bless you. And and stay online, send you out books and DVDs and the movie Jesus. Let's go to Stephen, Asheville, North Carolina. We're almost out of time. Hey. Can y'all hear Hi, me? Stephen. We're almost out of time. Quickly. Yeah, okay. Well, all good and perfect gifts come down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. I just think that the word is perfectly engineered. And uh, that scripture, um, we get to call him Father again. And um, I was want to focus on the shadow of turning. There's no shadow of turning. And I just wanted to let you guys know that there's one planet in our hemisphere, which is called the North Star, which is Polaris, that has no shadow of turning. What do you think about that? Okay, your thoughts. You know, Mike, I'm having a hard time hearing the question, so I'll have to toss it back to you. Well, what do you, you know, there's no shadow of turning. I don't know because I believe that's a description of God. In other words, there is no dark side to God. In order to have a shadow, you have to have uh, an absence of light. But in God, there is no absence of light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And so it doesn't matter what God does, what Jesus Christ does, there is nothing that is hidden from him. And again, the the shadow that that is that and and as far as uh the north star i don't know about that but i do know that in god there is no shadows any last thoughts well yeah and i think also verse 18 of his own will he brought forth he, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of the first fruits of his own creatures. We don't live in a shadow. We live in the light of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He's now called us to be lights to the world. And light comes by the word of God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And so uh, he's done this for us. And he's not going to turn to the shadows. He's going to keep us in the light. So amen. Uh, that's where we're Stephen, at. I hope that answers the prayer. We're out of time. Father, we lift up Millie and her brother. Please reach your hand out and heal him in Jesus' name. Amen. More Thanks, Daryl. Or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. 
Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station.